and welcome to On the Brighter Side. I'm your host, Monica Tanner, and today my guest is someone I have followed for a little while. She has some really interesting stories, and I'm so excited for her to talk to us about her zone of genius. My guest on the podcast today is Charlena Smith. Help me welcome her. Hello, Charlena. How are you? Hello, Monica. Thank you so much. I am doing really well today. It's absolutely beautiful outside, and I could not be in a better mood. (laughs) It is. That's awesome. Where are you speaking to us from? I am in Baltimore, Maryland right now, but we're actually about to head in the car as soon as I wrap this up to head up to upstate New York. So it's just going to be a beautiful drive. I'm looking forward to it. Very fun. How exciting. Well, I wonder if you could start by just telling us a little bit about you and your family. Sure. So I am the wife to a legit rocket scientist at NASA, which is kind of, it was all the running jokes at our wedding. And the mama to two boys that are uh, six and eight and they are as mischievous as they are adorable. So I will just leave it at that. They got lots of energy. (laughs) That is very important. They have to be cute if they're going to be mischievous. I know, I know. I mean, the universe makes them that way. I tell you, just to keep them alive. (laughs) It's true. Absolutely true. So I have heard this story about a very difficult pregnancy that you have. And I'm wondering if you would set us up by just telling us quickly that story about your very difficult pregnancy. Sure. So I had something called hyperemesis gravidium, which is a very fancy way. We didn't even know what it was in the beginning. It was just like morning sickness that wouldn't go away. And I had it with my first son and it was terrible all the way through. We didn't really identify what it was. And the doctor said, oh, there's no way that would happen again. So we decided we wanted a huge family. We actually wanted seven kids, which now when I look back as a mom, I'm like, that was bananas. <laughs> but yeah, we wanted this huge family. So we decided to have another one right away. And it happened again. And I actually, I lost 75 pounds with the first pregnancy. And I was underweight going into the second pregnancy thinking, this is going to be like the best way to gain weight. Like pregnancy is the way to gain weight, right? But that's not how I do pregnancy. I gain weight in regular life, but not when I'm pregnant. So <laughs> It was just, it was really, it was really bad. I mean, it was really, really bad. And with the first, it went away when he was six weeks old. And with the second, it didn't. And doctors told me that I was crazy, that I was psychosomatic, that I had body dysmorphia, that there was no physical reason that I should still be sick. And finally, one doctor went in and did an exploratory surgery and found at some point the hypermesis turned into a kink in my intestine and caused all sorts of problems. They discovered it and fixed it. But I was so sick at that point that even more drama happened. It's a, it's a pretty long story, but it was really bad pregnancies. Like really, really bad. Like I always feel like, you know, when you're at the, you're playing that game of like, oh, like I had the worst pregnancy or I had the worst pregnancy. I'm like, I'm just going to bow out of this game because it's just not fair. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like it's an unfair advantage, but they are both, they were both born at exactly 40 weeks timed to like the minute to keep us both alive. And they were both under four pounds, even though they were full term, they were just tiny little bitty, sweet little babies. And now they're perfectly healthy, bountiful boys. (laughs) I'll say that. But you almost died. You just scratched the surface of that story, but I've heard it more in detail and you almost died. I did. It was, so the hyperemesis was terrible. I was, I also, I learned so you learn so much in different seasons of your life, right? I was trying to do all the things and be all the things for all the people. So I was having this horrific pregnancy. And in that time, you would think that you would just stop and take care of yourself. And I, I did in some senses, but I just kept on going. I was the COO of a large marketing company. I was a full-time professor, a grad professor at Towson University, one of the top 
universities in Maryland and I was pursuing my PhD full time. And I had two babies and a husband to take care of. And I just kept on going and going and going. And I literally, at one point I was giving a, a billion dollar pitch and I had a, like my Gucci bag, my purse, and it had TPN in it, which is total perinatal nutrition for your body, like basically intravenously. It goes right into your heart. And I had it in this like little designer bag and I was giving the presentation and they were like, oh, let us hold your bag. And I was like, no, no, it's okay. Because that's totally normal, right? Like to be giving this billion dollar pitch, being fed intravenously. I mean, and when you look back, things are so obvious. And then when I was actually in the hospital, I was in the ICU for six months. I was read my final rights four times. I, at one point, I, like I mentioned that I was so sick that it was, they found the kink. It should have been better at that point, but I was starving. I had no reserves. I had no protein. I was what's called third spacing, which is when your veins can't even hold fluid anymore. So I was basically disintegrating and they, I was open from my chest to my hip from, I would look down. I was awake the whole time because they couldn't put me in a medically induced coma because I was too sick. They couldn't pull me out of it. And I distinctly remember all the doctors saying, you're not going to remember this. It's okay. You're never going to remember this. And I, as soon as I was able to talk again, I was like, I remember. <laughs> you know? So yeah, it was, I remember all sorts of things that apparently I'm not supposed to. But I looked down and it was just a sponge where my stomach was. My, my abdomen was kind of separated and it was just a sponge. And I had to go in for surgery three times a day to have abdominal washouts because my body wasn't filtering itself the way that it was supposed to. And I was on life support and they were just keeping me alive until they could make it a little bit better. So that's kind of where we were. And it was, it was hard and I didn't die is the long story. The longer version of that is that I just didn't die and my heart kept on beating. And then I started to get a little bit better. And I started to learn, like it was kind of this curve where it went from every day being read your final rights and everybody coming and saying goodbye to, oh, hold on, she might make it. But at that point I had to learn there's a big difference between not dying and living. And I had to make a conscious decision to live and to really, really fight and had to learn to speak again, to walk again, to talk again, all sorts of things that the rehab was absolutely so intense. But now now I am back to, you know, better than baseline. I run and play and dance and jump with my kids and run a thriving business. And I feel like I, I feel like I have been blessed with so much perspective that I would not necessarily wish anyone else to gain it in the same way. But since I have this perspective, I feel like it's my responsibility to steward this information to the world. So it's been a really unique privilege. I love that. That's incredible. I wonder if you talk more about the difference between not not dying and actually living. Mm, yeah. So what's interesting is I think that my entire first half of my life I spent not dying, even though it was like became really obvious when I was in the hospital and like you're literally just not dying. You want your heart to not stop beating. But when I I was living a life for someone else for a really long time, I was living someone else's blueprint. My family had expectations of me. The community had expectations of me. I had expectations of me in a in a way of should like I should be doing all these things even though it didn't necessarily align with who I really was. And I didn't even realize it. I was moving so fast and I was doing so many things that I didn't even realize it. And it was just not dying. It was just, you know, I was moving and moving and moving so that I wouldn't stay still long enough to notice what was actually happening. And I did that for a long time. And I really feel like I am a very stubborn person. And I really <laughs> You feel must like, be if you stayed alive through all Oh, I know. It's ridiculous. Like, I mean, talk about stubborn. Like, just can't hold me down. Can't, I'm just not going to die today. So I really am. And I feel like it took 
that jolt, that extreme jolt to make me realize that I needed to stop living this life for everyone else and start living it for myself. Yeah, it was a huge difference when you start actually living in your purpose and living in your true reason for being. Life is different. Grass is greener. Flowers smell better. Life is just, it's something that it's not, you don't dread waking up and you don't wait until, oh my gosh, is it bedtime yet? Is it bedtime yet? Is it bedtime yet? Like, have I made it through another day? It's like, you can't wait for another day to come and you can't wait to be able to interact and and engage in the world in this way because you're doing what you were meant to do. I love that. I love that. So much of my podcast is about helping women find their purpose because I think once you do, it does completely change your life Mm -hmm. and make you excited to do just everything. So you had this horrible experience and you survived and you came out stronger and better than ever. And you started this company called Optio. Can you tell me about Optio and its purpose? I can. So Optio was created to keep, it became my mission to not let what happened to me happen to other women right? Because it's such a, even though my version is very extreme, it's so common. It is so common for us to be doing all, all of the things that don't make any sense. Wearing all the hats that we don't need to wear, doing all the things that we don't need to do and living out someone else's reality for uh, you know, our lives. And I didn't have someone to check me. I didn't have someone to say, whoa, let's slow down and look at your priorities and your values and decide what you should really be doing right now. I mean, I had a wonderful support system. I'm the classic case of like too many privileges and then almost killed myself because of it. Like I have a loving, doting husband. I have supportive parents. I have an amazing community. I was blessed to be a professor at a university that was paying for my tuition to gather enough degrees to wallpaper my house. I mean, just cloaked in privilege, right? And just feeling like I had to say yes to everything. And you don't have to say yes to everything. Because when you say yes to everything, yes loses its power. And I had to learn to say no. And I created Guided Accountability. It came from, I started working with refugees coming in from Syria into the Baltimore port. I was ran a nonprofit marketing agency for at the IRC. And we created this framework that was intentionally designed for American women that were established to pour into the Syrian refugees. And what we found was embarrassingly the opposite, that the American women were feeling blessed beyond measure. It was life-changing. Their capacity for empathy exploded. They were showing up in their communities, in their kids' schools, in their in leadership positions in such a more authentic and profound way. And we were like, wait a minute, is this a thing? Like, can we actually take this and make this a bigger thing? So we started beta testing and sure enough it was, we started seeing these amazing results when we paired women together based on their personalities to be with their best accountability partner, not their best friend. And it just, it exploded and it was amazing. And I just am so humbled by some of the just truly audacious things that some of these women have done and accomplished. And it's just absolutely amazing to witness. So you talk about a guided accountability and having an accountability partner. I'd love for you to explain that a little bit more and talk about the value in having a third party choose your accountability partner. Sure. So a lot of people, so we actually trademark the term guided accountability. It is, it is what you would think of it though. Like most people have a definition of accountability in their head at being responsible for what you say you're going to do and not necessarily having to be right all the time or a hundred percent, but owning 
your part in whatever it is that you are a part of. And the role of a guide is really to steward, to hold space, to hold safe space so that you can travel forward and feel safe in that travel. So guided accountability is exactly that. It's designing your life and and designing your purpose in a comfortable space with a guide that is set to safely see you through to the other side. And it has been, we tried initially, we were like, oh, everybody can find their own accountability partner. We wanted to make that like a really widely available thing. And it's not really the case. People tend to pick people that are like them or think like them. And they don't, your best friend is, you get away with too much with your best friend, right? Your best friend is going to, you know, oh, I'm going to do X, Y, Z by this date. And then you don't do it. You know, they're going to love you anyway. There's not like as much of an independent pressure there. And I mean, independent pressure in the best way, because these are goals that are defined by you that you've decided that are important to you, their priorities to you. And you want somebody in a neutral space to hold you accountable to that. And we also discovered after pairing hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of women together, that there is a framework, a system for how we do the pairing. You take a deep dive personality assessment, which is actually a combination of the Enneagram, which is wisdom from pre-BC. You know, it's been around forever. So we take we take a great deal from that. We take a great deal from Strength Finders, which is a lot of individual-based personality assessments. We take a lot from the Big Five, which is very science-based, which of course my husband loves because he loves science. And then we also have taken in portions of Gretchen Rubin's The Four Tendencies, which is how you show up in terms of accountability and what drives you to actually follow through with your commitments. And by merging all of those together, we created an algorithm that matches people to their best partner. So the person that's going to spur them, that's really going to motivate them in the ways that they need. So we walk you through a training for how to be a guided accountability partner. But the beautiful thing is that you were algorithmically selected to be the perfect partner no matter what. So how you behave and how you show up in life naturally is the exact person that your partner needs you to be. I love that. So explain how this works. I say I want a guided and accountability partner. I sign up for your Optio company. I take these, I do the questions, the deep dive personality assessment, and then you give me an accountability partner. And then I come up with my goals. Is that how that works? So we have a whole framework. We have, you would go to myoptio.org and it is, we run in cycles. So it's, we've been running cycles based on need. A lot of times we have a waiting list. So getting on as soon as possible is always good. But we, you go in and once you are a registered member, you take the deep dive personality assessment and it matches you to your ideal partner. You have access to training. You have to do the training before you're allowed to actually be matched. The training walks you through and make sure that we're all coming at this from the same access point. So a lot of people come in and they have done tons of personal growth work, right? You have somebody that they're perfectly aware of their emotional intelligence score and they know where they are on all of the personality charts and they've done lots of goal work and strategy and stuff like that. And then you have other people that come in and they've never actually written a goal down and they don't know that what these things are. So we have a training that brings everybody up to speed so everyone is on the same page. And when you're matched, you have, we have a planner that is it walks you through the entire thing. We actually start with the life wheel and you analyze where you are now and where you would like to be. So that allows you to see a little bit where the difference is, where maybe life isn't, isn't panning out exactly how you planned it to be. And we have a script that is you work through in your first session. It's an affirmation. You develop an affirmation of who you actually want to be. And there are a lot of really 
deep questions that we get into. And what's amazing is the vulnerability that is present in the women that are paired. It's interesting. I'm not naturally a gifted, vulnerable person. It's very difficult for me to be vulnerable. I have to be intentional about it. And I was, my fear was that that was going to be the limiting factor in this business is that women were not going to be willing to be authentic and vulnerable. Totally false. That was such a limiting belief on my part. We are craving, our society is craving the ability to be truly vulnerable and accepted for who we are in a safe space. It's amazing. We, especially in our beta testing versions, we did a lot of video and, and recording and making sure things worked and that it was it was operating the way it was supposed to. Oh my gosh, the amount of tears that I shed just from the pure, just beauty that was being accessed and the vulnerability that these women were sharing. And they sculpted entirely new lives that they wanted to be entirely new versions of themselves that they wanted to step into. And we do that all in session one, you know, it's just amazing. And then you create concrete goals and this planner, we have a physical planner as well as a digital version and you roll over your goals week to week. It's a 12 week program because scientifically you can do anything in 12 weeks that you can do in basically any other amount of time. And the goals roll over. You either, you know, if you meet them, there's a whole conversation about, okay, if you, if that was easy, maybe we can challenge you a little bit more. Or if it was easy and it was intentional and that's because you want to be living in this very chill space, that's okay too. It's whatever you define for yourself is okay. And that is so rarely available to us. Everyone is pushing us to do more, more, more and post the perfect pictures on Instagram and be the perfect mother and, you know, be the perfect wife and be the perfect daughter and be the perfect, all the things. And it's like, no, just be, just be. And this allows you the space to do that and still know that you're growing in the direction that you want to grow. And then in the 12th week, we actually take analysis of how, if you truly feel that you've stepped into your affirmation, if you truly feel that you've, if you've actually completed the goals that you set for yourself and we bundle that all up for you so you can actually see the progress because something we've noted is women especially make huge progress and think they're not moving. They think they're not doing anything. And when you look back, it's like, oh no, you know, you did this and this and this and this, but they just keep moving. We keep moving to the next thing and we don't take time to celebrate the accomplishments that we've made. So we celebrate, we celebrate those wins. We celebrate the losses and we roll them over into the next quarter, into your next pairing. And you have this record of your accomplishments. And it's just absolutely amazing. It's almost like a kind of like a scrapbook for your, for your goals. <laughs> so cool. So cool. So when you were talking, you mentioned vulnerability. So how can somebody take baby steps towards vulnerability in their life and in their business? Mm-hmm. So good. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a vulnerability convert. It's almost like I almost feel like I need an AA group for vulnerability. So just being true with yourself, allowing yourself some space. So vulnerability comes from allowing people to have access to parts of you that you might not willingly give up. And sometimes that means you you have to have access to it first. And my first tip for people that are considering stepping into that vulnerable space is to just spend time with yourself. So I am a big fan of Miracle Morning. Hal Arad has, you know, his book. It's, it's a, absolutely amazing. But basically the point is that you take time every morning to just kind of meditate and sit with yourself. And that is going to really expose you to the first steps of vulnerability. Awesome. Awesome. So the effect of real life 
life, R-E-E-L, on your real life, R-E-A-L, and how to not get caught up on it. Oh my goodness, yes. So I am a perfect example of the fake real life as in video versus real life as an authentic truth. When I was sick and I was, it's so funny because I looked, I had lost so much weight. I was down to like 95 pounds on a 5'10 frame. People thought, and this is again, society is, is a big, and culture is a bit of a problem here, but I was rewarded for being so thin. I was rewarded for look, being so unhealthy. Everyone, I mean, if you are underweight and have a pair of designer jeans on, you might as well have like, you might as well be Oprah. It's like, it's ridiculous how much people reward you for that. And I fed off of that and I would share things on social media that made me look perfect. I, I was such an, I was perpetuating this culture that made it seem like that was a good thing to be. And I was dying. I was literally dying. And I was creating this community that wanted to be like me because I have these cute, adorable little babies and this really smoking hot rocket scientist husband. And I'm a size zero in like, you know, these god awful price jeans. And like it, that looked like I had arrived and I was dying. I was absolutely like literally not in any other kind of sense. I was actually dying. And when I pause and you look back, those are things that people are actually striving for. And we all continue to pay perpetuate it. We continue to post these things that are unrealistic. And one of the things that Optio really strives to get to is just let all that go. Let's worry about your real life, your actual life, the life that you're living, your family, the people that are affected by the life that you're living right now. And let's create a life that actually feels good. Not one that you're clicking or, or scanning or swiping, but that feels good on a day-to-day basis that nourishes your body and your soul. That actually makes you feel like you're living out your purpose and affecting good, having a positive ripple effect in your community. And that's really where we get to is that the the real life of social media can be so toxic and that we really do want to dive into our real interior and actual lives. I love that. So of all the things you're working on right now, what are you most excited about? Oh my goodness. I just finished the rough draft of the guided accountability book and I'm extremely excited about that. Yeah. Exciting. Thank you. We just got it. It's funny. I come from an academic background and I've written several collegiate books, several, you know, manuals and things like that for college and post-grad work. Writing in a, it was so freeing to be able to just write like I speak, to just be me and not have to be, you know, (laughs) just super professor, you know? And it was absolutely an amazing process to go through. And I felt so fulfilled and I feel like I learned so much just from myself, just from sitting still and listening to myself. And I'm just, I'm very proud of it and can't wait for it to hit the stands. It should be pretty soon. That's exciting. Well, I'm excited. I can't wait to read it. Hopefully we can time this so it comes out yeah. time frame. That would be really cool. Well, awesome. Well, congratulations. That's awesome. Now tell us how my listeners can find you and connect with you. Learn more about Optio if they're interested. Where's the best place to reach you? Sure. So I answer all of my own email, which is charlina at myoptio.org. And you can literally email me anytime. And I'm always on there and so delighted to talk to anybody that's interested in any kind of growth or anything really, because we all start somewhere, right? So that is a perfect place 
place. Myoptio.org is where you'll find our site and a lot of our story. But we are opening a date cycle for Mother's Day, which is really exciting. So that if you have a mother in your life or you are a mother, I highly recommend getting in on that because it's going to be life-changing. But yeah, those are the basic places on Facebook. We have my, it's Facebook slash Myoptio and Myoptio.org on Instagram. Awesome. Okay, well, we'll link to all of that in the show notes and I appreciate your time and you sharing your life experiences with us. This has really been a pleasure. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it, Monica. That was such a fun episode. I can't believe what a fighter Charlena is and how she totally cheated death because she was persistent and stubborn and refused to let the doctor's diagnosis keep her from fighting to live. That was such a great story. And since we last recorded, I see that she has published a couple of journals and workbooks on guided accountability. Those are available on amazon.com. But I think that she still has a book coming out. So watch for that. We'll let you guys know when that comes out because I'm sure that will be a good read. I loved her thoughts on guided accountability. And make sure you check the show notes for ways to connect with her her and to learn more about Optio and her guided accountability programs. So next week on the podcast, we have Chanel Nielsen, who is a fellow podcaster, and she has a great story to tell as well. And until next week, have courage, be kind, and stay on the brighter side. 